It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you all on this uh, fine Monday morning. I hope it's a terrific day wherever you are. We've got a weekend uh, of sport to review this morning between 9 and 12, and we shall do that uh, through um, Jeremy Coney looking at uh, the cricket. Of course, the Black Caps are in Pakistan, or a Black Caps team, shall we say, is in Pakistan. I want to talk a bit more deeply than that, though, with Jeremy about uh, where he sees the future of the long form of the game. 9.30, we're going to talk to Casey Frank, of course, NBL commentator on behalf of uh, Sky Sport. And uh, really interesting result, uh, uh, weekend of results there. I mean, it's hard to pick a winner. It's a bit like NRL looking uh, at sales NBL. Jacob Spoonley, uh, after 10 o'clock, to talk about uh, the fees, the Phoenix and their performance yesterday. Uh, they didn't win, but they didn't lose either. Two will draw, which meant they've stopped the bleeding to a certain extent. But have we? Have they really? Uh, the panel this morning, very interesting one. Tom Bartlett and, yes, Mark Rigger Richardson will be with us as well uh, about 20 past 10. Nice catch up there. Uh, Brandy Alexander, uh, of course, uh, is working on the breakfast show at SEN in Sydney. Uh, but he's with us uh, just after 11 o'clock to look at uh, the weekend of the NRL. Very fascinating results there. Once again, we've got a stump smithy. It's up to quite a number now, up to quite a number um, so uh, we're looking for calls around about 11.30 to start your week off with a real bonus in terms of uh, betting vouchers from the TAB and of course your texts and calls are welcome your calls on 0800 150811 and any texts on uh, what you thought of and what you saw over the weekend double eight double three double eight double three on the temper bedpost text machine Sport is our religion and here is Smithy's Sermon we have gone to great lengths to bemoan the lack of support or interest in Super Rugby this season, but there it was, Saturday in Wellington, the answer staring us straight in the face. A decent day, two teams who elected to play all their available stars, and afternoon rugby, yes, afternoon rugby, back to the future, or at least back to the past. Didn't it look great, and whilst the Hurricanes were flying in the first half, the effects on the old telly sounded great. Of course, uh, the things changed drastically in the second half. The Chiefs are rampant, new stars to the fore, and that without their head coach at home, Crook. The Chiefs are an impregnable force this season. Hard to see anyone stopping them, even at this relatively early stage. They're simply too good. And uh, it was a nice little curl in the smile I detected of Ian Foster as he watched on with his selection colleagues. It's a well-known fact that Fozzie and his predecessor are not fans at all of the breakdance. It was good, though, to see the droves of downcast Hurricanes fans off down the walkway. Not so much for their disconsolate mood, more so the numbers off and do whatever they like to do remains on the rest of a Saturday. Still decent time left in the day for young and all. Long may the lights stay out, I say. The novelty of night rugby has long worn off. There's just too much competition at 7.05 of a night time. You know, things like dinner, bed for the youngsters, Netflix or Neon, or even the superior viewing product. That, of course, is the NRL. So I guess the message is lighten up, and that's daylighten up. 
Give it another go and see what happens. Go back to the past to answer the future. The generations are having their say. It is uh, 9.07 here on SENZ, and uh, yeah, cricket uh, is an interesting state at the moment, uh, to be fair. Uh, articles uh, last week on the future of Test cricket was uh, New Zealand, one of the teams that is likely to stay playing Test cricket, uh, saying uh, the numbers are going to diminish because there's just not enough time for everyone to be playing it. So uh, that is uh, a fact of matter. Uh, of course, New Zealand getting two hidings over the weekend, uh, but it's it's hard to read too much into it because if I look down the list of the, that players, I think only two or three would be in anywhere near our uh, top T20 side if everyone was available. Problem is, everyone isn't available these days uh, because of the constraints of the franchises in the IPL-type leagues around the world. So then, we've got to find some answers, don't we? Hopefully uh, on the line we've got uh, Jeremy Coney. Nope. Not there at the moment, so uh, that's interesting. Bad start to a Monday morning when they don't pick up the phone. But, yeah, uh, that is, is a concern for me. I, I look at the scores over the weekend. They were two hidings, absolute hidings, weren't they, uh, to be honest. Uh, they weren't even competitive. Uh, Mark Chapman getting, uh, what, 60 or 70 not out in the second game to give us respectability. But other than that, we were two absolute hidings against the Pakistan team that looks to me um, to be playing pretty much their first eleven. Of course, Pakistan are not allowed to be part of the. Uh, they're not allowed to be part of uh, the IPL because of their uh, country's situation against India. Uh, never be friends. Never have been. Never will be. So therefore, they're not allowed to take part, which makes their players a good deal more available uh, when it comes um, to this time of the year, this uh, six-week bracket. So they're able to put up a really good side. And uh, New Zealand, of course, uh, we're looking uh, very much like a, a B, a sort of a B plus stroke C team. So uh, at the moment, it, it's uh, very hard to see us being competitive. We're two 0 down in a five T twenty series, and uh, it doesn't look as if um, there's too much hope for getting out of the series. Let's hope we can discover a player or two, uh, because they're trying them. Gary Stead uh, not with the team at the moment. I understand he's in the UK doing uh, some personal stuff, which is fine. Um, but uh, I think what we're finding is that the answer is that um, what he has suggested in the first place, a time to uh, look at the coaching setup in terms of red ball v white ball, and a time also um, <coughs> to perhaps review uh, a number of selections as well. Uh, no luck, it seems, with uh, Jeremy at the moment, uh, Ricardo. Not just yet. I've just texted him. Uh, Brian's rung him a couple of times, so I've just texted him so he knows that uh, it is us calling because that does sometimes uh, put off um, people that we have lined up. If they're not used to us calling, they see a number they don't recognise, they don't pick it up. So I've just texted him to let him know. But hopefully we'll get him shortly. Okay, so some, uh, I think uh, Jerry's living in Picton these days. Um, I do know he's been doing some work in the vineyards as well, so uh, a different lifestyle for him at the moment. Um, a victim, really, along with Brian Waddle, of, of not quite sure why they actually disappeared off the commentary circuit. Without doubt, the two best radio voices uh, in terms of cricket we've had in this country for decades. Oh, Going back to uh, the likes of uh, Ian Galloway. But, you know, I mean, in, in all honesty, uh, I, 
so I'm at a loss to that as to why uh, they disappeared off the airwaves. They're just the best combo. I mean, if you're wanting to listen to cricket on the radio, they've often been described as the best combo um, with worldwide reputations. Well, we got Jer- a, yeah. I was going to say we got Jeremy on uh, with uh, with Daniel McCarty and and Garth Galloway for a while to be part of the SENZ commentary team. Um, and uh, yeah. you know, he just he, he lifts everything. He's he's fantastic, Jeremy. Yeah, absolutely right. Okay, so not having any luck there with Jerry. So um, maybe it's a time perhaps we could solicit some calls. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. What was uh, the thing over the weekend that struck you? I mean, if you went to the rugby in Wellington on Saturday afternoon, how did you enjoy the experience? Love to know. Would you go back? Um, you know, providing that. Your Hurricanes team is still in the reckoning. Would you go back again on another Saturday afternoon as opposed to a Saturday night, a Friday night? Um, is it more convenient for you to try that, to, to go that way? Um, is it more preferable to have sun on the back? Uh, I'd just be interested to know where, where you sit on this because it just I, I looked at the crowds and I, was, um, I wasn't uh, listening too much to any uh, commentary as such, but I was uh, in a group of people and the first thing we noticed was man, this, this stadium's got people in it. You know, we can't see the yellow seats. It just looked appealing. And, of course, you, you had a first-half performance by the Hurricanes that suggested uh, that the crowds would be happy. And then, of course, you've got a, a, a second-half performance where the tried and true, the best team in the, uh, in the conference at the moment in, in, in terms of the competition is absolutely flying, the Chiefs. Very, very hard. Very hard to stop. So... Um, there you go. Um, love to hear you, uh, your thoughts on that. 0800-150811 or your texts on double eight double three. Um, I think perhaps um, I've run out of things to say already. At 10 past nine on a Monday. We better take a break and uh, regroup, I think, uh, Ricardo. Allen and Picton, which is fantastic. Uh, of course, Jeremy Coney, former New Zealand cricketer, former uh, terrific commentator, uh, captain, uh, the whole damn shamozzle. So, Jeremy, good morning to you. Smithy, sorry mate, I was making my porridge um, and, and the old phone for some reason tucked away under the pillow, no good at all, so sorry mate, um, yeah but we're back, we're back together again, I know you're starting with a headline act, uh, you've yes. got to have some strong boys coming up after me, I tell you to hold the audience there. I tell you. Well, we're, try- <laughs> we're trying our best, but we've rung people and they've said, who's on first? And I've said, Coney, they've said, no, don't worry. There's no point in me coming on, so there you go. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> right. Oh, dear. Hey, um, right, carry on, boys. Start to- away. Yeah, I wanted-, I wanted to talk to you a couple of issues, uh, Jerry, in particular. Uh, there was an article last week on, on stuff, which was quite interesting, um, that uh, basically outlined the fact that uh, Test Cricket is... Not fashionable anymore, and we could be down to as few as five test-playing nations, which means we might scrape in. We might just scrape into five. How doomed do you think test cricket is? Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. Um, I think, you know, I think probably test cricket won't die. I mean, the IPL you're talking about, aren't you, and the development of the franchise game. Um, there's no doubt that it has, you know, changed in size and scope. And it's kind of not originally what we thought was just going to be the old IPL footprint would grow and run all the year. But I think what's happening is that we're seeing the IPL owners are expanding their footprint and they're buying up teams in other leagues around the world. 
And the next logical step is that they'll ask players to sign up for deals for multiple tournaments throughout the year, and that will have the same effect, uh, essentially. So they tie up players to a franchise for six-plus months a year, and it impinges on them playing international cricket. So that's, that's what's kind of happened. And, of course, the money is just the, the bucks, uh, are some of the reasons that there's a collision taking place and, and pinching players and so on. So I think, I think um, you know, as far as the game, the, the test match, I think what we're going to see is a reshaping. I think we've got to admit that. I don't particularly like it, I said, but that's because I'm an old fuddy-duddy. Um, and, but we are going to see a reshaping of what, what test cricket has been about. The bilaterals will probably go, I think. Um, so there's a money issue, uh, I think, that's causing it for the, for the individual players. The IPL salary is way up, of course. It's going to get a little bit larger. There are other teams and p players can choose more. Never, I don't think, have the players been as, more, as powerful as they are at the moment to choose. Um, it, it'll depend on a couple of little shifting plates, I guess. There's the IPL salary cap. But if that gets up, you know, it's now with Disney and Star and Viacom, isn't it? They've had that broadcast, broadcast uh, deal now. Um, so, you know, it just blows any board contract, even the England and the Australia ones, away. And, um, you know, T20 is a game that's played over three hours. It's at night. It's a spectacle, you know, and all those kinds of things, which help people tend to watch their sport and consume their sport nowadays. So what does it mean? Uh, it means that some of the younger players that are, are choosing T20 formats um, at the start and uh, I guess established players or who've already made their names in international cricket skip out earlier. And that's happening already with Bolt and South Africa, Aloft de Villiers and Faf Duplessis and so on. So um, it, it, it's a bloody hard question, isn't it, Smithy? I mean, if you're, if you're Pat Cummins and earning two to three million for your board contract for a year's playing for the board, um, they just outbid it. Uh, you know, that... that and if you're a younger player, they just double it. Do you know what I mean? And um, pretty hard to refuse. I don't think it'll be as fractious as golf has been, Smithy. You know, the live tour. Um, mm. I just think we're just seeing, you know, the administration have realised a couple of things, that the sweepers towards India. We can't really fight that, but we can work at the edges of it. Uh, keep the BCC on side in terms of relationships and deals as their national side will tour around the world. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just I think that's probably... It probably is a scenario we have to consider, and all of us feel, oh, that's, that's a pity, because Test Cricket... It's, let's be honest, it's a harder game. It's, it's a hard game to master over a long period of time, you know? So um, you can see players going that way, can't you? I mean, what you know as well, much of this about it as I do, and do you see it kind of in a similar way? Well, I, I see people taking um, the easy option for more money. It's as simple as that. Yeah. You know? And it's just, just yeah. reflecting on what you're saying, absolutely. And you can't blame them. And I'll give you a case in point. I, I'm trying to get interested in New Zealand against Pakistan in T20 cricket at this time of the year. Fairly meaningless series Are to you? me. I'd much rather, 
I'd much rather be thinking that. Why are we playing uh, five T20s? I know. Why, why aren't we playing some more one-dayers? Because there is a World Cup in a few months. Yeah. Ha- having said that, uh, the, the team to me is, is unrecognisable almost. I mean, I, I look at that uh, T20 New Zealand side and I think to myself, maybe three, maybe three at best would make our best T20 side. So uh, I just, uh, and, we, and the results are reflecting that. Yeah, well, beaten by 90-odd and 30-odd, you know. But, but the differential, as you say, and the experience of the two teams, I mean, that's a pretty strong Pakistan side, isn't it? Uh, they've just played Afghanistan and lost when they put out, an, uh, uh, when Pakistan put out an inexperienced team. They've now come back and they're playing at home. Um, they've got all the bases covered, haven't they? Baba, Rizwan, Fakhar Zaman. They've got a new guy in there, Saeed Mayoub, haven't they, from the Pakistan Super League. Had a hell of a good one. Shadab Khan is back. Iftikhar, Imad Wazim, the two spinners. They've got, then they've got the three... I mean, the seamers are cleaning us out a bit, aren't they? Shane Shah Afridi, Harris Ralph is having the birthdays over there. And, and Saman Khan, so... I, I just, uh, we're going to struggle. Of course we are. And if you're in the middle order and you're chasing nine and a half and ten and over, I mean, it's, it's not a pleasant thing when you're losing wickets in the power player and it hasn't gone so well. No, it's not. Um, and and I, I look forward to this. Um, now, without Kane Williamson, of course, I, I'm not looking forward to the World Cup as much as I perhaps once was, but... Uh, where do you see us with a possibility? I mean, you've, you know, it's been years and years and years since we played in Pakistan, um, uh, and, and uh, you know, we know the situation there. It's been years since we played in India. Why? Um, where do you rate our chances in this World Cup, Jeremy? This far out? Well, it looks as though Williamson's gone, doesn't it? Which is a shame. I mean, you can't replace 160 games of experience, you know, filed away. Uh, that just drives decision-making in the game. And he's a superior player, and at his best, you can't stop him scoring, even off the good balls. Um, he's also a collapse stopper. Uh, I, you know, good player of spin, good balance, and that sort of thing. So, and he offers other players, I'm sure, small bits of advice. I don't know what you think, Smithy, but I wonder whether we should put Conway to three. Mm. Um, and therefore I go on a hunt for another opener um, and who are the likely guys I don't know just off the top of my head I reckon Nichols uh, is one he was the one 2019 wasn't he I guess Young is another possibility he's playing three at the moment and had, hasn't scored yet uh, in the two matches uh, Latham, I would say leave at five because that's his, he, you know, he plays quite well there. He plays spin quite well. He's got these sweeps and so on. Uh, the interesting one for me, Smithy, coming in the ODIs is Blundell's going over there, isn't he? Mm. Um, mm. He's opened before. Uh, he's had runs before uh, at opening. He's opened against Australia. Would he keep? Don't know. Uh, does Guptill come into the an unlikely, you know, just I'm just throwing the names in as they occur to me. Mm. Um, so, so those are the sort of... But Conway, I think, is, again, a superior player, and we need the Conway, Mitchell, Latham, Phillips, Stroke, Meesham, whoever they are going to go with, uh, in the batting line-up. 
Uh, Bracewell, Santner, and Sodi, I would have thought would have been the spinners. And then the seamers, I would have thought uh, Henry, Southey. I think they'll take Bolt. Um, Ferguson, they'll need him, that's for sure. And that leaves probably two guys. I, d I don't know, that opener that I'm talking about and another bowler. They, they'll need three, three spinners, I think. Um, they'll probably play three quicks and two spinners, wouldn't you? And have Mitchell and Phillips and Nisham perhaps as backup mm. for, the, for the captain as a bowlers. Um, Chance and Smithy, don't know. Oh, you can't, yeah. uh, can you? No, you can't replace all that experience. You're right. Um, you, you just simply can't because Williamson has been so damn good. Um, you can kind of, you, you can try and find within one or two, two or three players perhaps that combination that can cover those bases and hopefully replace what Williamson is um, is leaving behind. But I, I, I don't mm. see it that way. Bolt Bolt is an absolute must for me. Ha absolutely has to oh, be. Oh yeah. There. Other, otherwise, um, but they have to nurse him back into the fold somehow. Uh, and that brings me to my final point um, in terms of uh, where we are with our coaching setup. Uh, Gary Stead himself has said it's time to split the split the job uh, up into maybe three, certainly two white ball, red ball. You agree with that? Yeah, I think we we do. We do have to. The problem is, Smithy, we're losing coaches, aren't we? Um, I mean, Rob Walter, who took our A team to India. Uh, earlier this year he's gone um, Heinrich Milan who was at Auckland there and I think he lined up against Stead didn't he when, when they were choosing the coach after Hessen and he's gone yes. So we've, and he was a New Zealand A coach as well so in other words they were heading towards being a coach of New Zealand I don't know who the who, who's the other guy in Auckland who's left recently as a coach. There was a guy who was a batting coach for one and dug someone, and he's gone to Auckland. He's gone. So so we 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 haven't got many options. We've got two two meter Peter down there in in Canterbury. We've got uh, the guy Ibrahim uh, down in Otago. Yes. Uh, I, look, I, look, mate. I, I, I really don't know about the coaching setup at the moment. I, it, with the money side of things, again, I'm not sure we can attract other people from over the other side of the world. I, I think that's a very fair point. Uh, I just don't think we have whether we either don't have the budget or we just do not have the inclination or. The interest in going overseas, uh, like every other country, appears to be wanting to do from time to time, but it doesn't seem to be in the makeup of this New Zealand cricket cricket setup at the moment. No, and the the other thing that seems to me is that in terms of depths, we we've got to a stage where we relied on Saudi Bolt, Jameson, Wagner for so long, uh, with Henry as a backup. They were really so stable through the sort of 2018 right through to where we are kind of now four or five years that's been very good they've done extremely well but you know we've always relied on a sort of a happy coincidence of skilled players arriving together and that we we kind of then use stable selection knowing we don't have a wide cricket community or choice um, and therefore allow those skillful players to sort of settle and, and develop from there. But because we haven't done that and tended the garden, if you like, 
uh, we've now trying everybody, aren't we? Uh, I mean, we've had we've seen Doug Bracewell, Salia's been around the A-team, Kugeline, Techna, Duffy, Shipley, O'Rourke, Lister. These are all names that occur to me, and it's kind of a scramble going on at the moment to see. Please, let's come through and get some guys. I mean, Lister, because he's left armour, that would be useful. It seems as though we're going for bounce bowlers like other the Wagner kind of thing. Um, Mm. And, and I'm not sure about that as a New Zealand ex-player. I don't think that's particularly successful in New Zealand, um, that sort of short stuff. Um, so I don't, I don't know. We're, we're quite, we are at the moment. We're obviously looking very hard and over a wide range very quickly. Mm. Interesting, Jerry. Um, I thank you for taking time away from your porridge. Um, to, to speak to us this <laughs> morning, now. it is very good. Yeah, mate. Uh, yeah, I bet it's cold. You better put it in the microwave, mate, and uh, put a bit of that yeah. extra top milk on top that you like. Um, uh, and uh, th- on the barbecue here, mate. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much, mate, for your time this morning. Um, so, and uh, always take care. great to catch up with you, mate. Yeah, take care of yourself, uh, Jeremy Coney. There, it's nine thirty-three here on SCNZ. It's nine thirty-four here on SCNZ. Uh, the sales NBL is uh, heating up around the country. Two rounds of action and uh, the no-import Bay Hawks sitting on top of the ladder with a couple of other sides. It's just an incredibly even first two weeks. And to uh, review what he saw uh, over the weekend of the games that he was able to watch, former Tall Black turned uh, basketball analyst, of course, and commentator extraordinaire Casey Frank is with us. I understand he's on a plane at the moment, which is going to give uh, lots of entertainment to those people around him as well. Uh, Casey, good morning to you. Well, morning, Smithy. Thanks very much for having me. And I am firmly in cattle class, and nobody's looking at me just yet. <laughs> okay. Well, I'd be surprised you're in cattle class, I've got to say. Um, here's the thing, Casey. <laughs> two, two weeks in, and some real topsy-turvy results. Uh, it suggests to me we're in for a hell of an even competition. Yeah, I think from top to bottom, this is a quality in terms of talent that I've seen this league. Uh, the men with two Jets, who were bottom feeders last year, have come out and after two close games in week one without two of their imports, so they can beat anybody by beating a title favorite in the Rams. We saw Taranaki go from 55 points on a Friday night to uh, 95 points on the Saturday night, and a crazy win. So top to bottom, I don't think any team this year is going to be able to let rest on their laurels. They're going to have to come game after game ready to play if they want to make the final six at the end of the season. Yeah, good uh, weekend for the Franklin Bulls. They struck the doubleheader away from home and won them both. Yeah, really impressive. I think in week one, they looked like a team searching for an offensive identity. In week two, they went to their bigs. Dan Foto, huge in that one in Wellington. Terrell Harrison, big on both games, double-doubles. You know, he's just uh, right around seven foot, but he's got that really great finishing ability at the rim. And uh, Jamal Brantley, Jarrell Brantley's brother, has shown he's got some of that same defensive moveset. Although it's at the Franklin Bulls, he had a huge game-saving block at the Wellington Saints and stuck them at 0-2 and kind of put the saved a little bit of the early season for the Bulls, who at 0-1 were staring down a hole after a really difficult home loss. Two wins on the road, and everything is sunshine and rainbows going into round three. Absolutely it is. Um, interesting weekend for the Taranaki Airs as well. They were thumped by the Tuatara, 80-55. to Turned round and uh, with a, bu- a buzzer beater, knocked over the Bay Hawks. Yeah, controversial buzzer beater at that. A lot of chat on social media. But, uh, I mean, I, I've rarely seen a team change personalities in 24 hours like that. Completely lackluster against the Tuatara. 
who came out really aggressive, even though they didn't have Ruben Tarangi. Rob Lowe, dominant with seven blocks and absolutely shut down the paint. And the, the Eric just couldn't score on them. The next night, they go to the Bay, you know, a difficult trip to turn around in that amount of time, and were a completely different team. They were energized, they were enthused, and they fought hard all the way down to the end of the game. Can a shot go off in .5 of a second in that, Cali? If you're asking me, no, but the refs on the floor called it. So they go away with the win and uh, a real boon to them, you know, as they're still waiting Anthony Hilliard, the leading scorer from the competition last year. So once he comes in, that should fix some of their three-point shooting and make them even more of a threat in the half court. Well, uh, Casey, of course, Hawks Bay, um, one of the, their traits has been that they have a no-import situation, but we're understanding now that they're about to announce uh, a six-foot-eight uh, forward coming over from the America uh, from America is Ira Lee. Do you know much about that? Well, he's out of the University of Arizona, and he's got some good thickness to him. You know, he's he's six eight, but he's a he's a true big. He, he's going to be down there in the low post. He's going to give him that physical presence that they are missing a little bit right now. They have Hiram Harris, who's a fantastic rebounder on the interior, but he's a bit smaller. You know, he's six five, six six. They've got Jordan Hunt, who's taller. His style of play isn't really built for the post. He's more of a pop, a pick-and-pop big who will turn his face in the post. They need that banger. As we saw, Anzac Risotto with his size and strength in the low post really dominated that game against the Hawks, really getting on the glass. And if they can get that piece, that big man who can be a defensive rebounder, set some screens, clear some space, and be an occasional pro threat, that will really be a boon to their season. I think they do have some of the best Kiwi talent there is. A disappointing loss in their home court. Uh, I, I think they'll be able to bounce back from that with the veteran leadership they have and rookie head coach Everard Bartlett, but Ira Lee is going to be a big help uh, to that front line for sure. The Tuatara, um, light workload so far. How have you found their start to the season? The Auckland Tuatara, dominant, as you say, over the years, uh, 80 to 55. Yeah, yeah really good. Uh, you know, they've put together a really nice team. They still have Cruz Pro Hunt to come who I think is going to be a really fantastic point guard in this competition. He's coming out with his college degree at South Dakota State. Uh, so once he gets over here, that's going to lift the guard play. But they're already strong in the guards. they got Cam Glidden, who's been solid uh, after a season with the Breakers. And they've brought back Jared Weeks, who was huge down the stretch against Nelson in the first week with 11 points in the fourth quarter, uh, leading that victory. Uh, but it's all been around Rob Lowe. Uh, he's averaging a double-double. I think it's 17-10. and 10, But game one, he had five steals. And game two, he had seven blocks. And there's a lot of pressure on him to produce as the lone big man in there. 6'11", he's carrying a lot on his shoulders, but he certainly has the ability to carry that load as he's moving forward. And they're going to be a threat because of his dominance in the low post. Otago Nuggets winning the Battle of the Deep South, uh, 76-68 over the Southland Sharks. Uh, what have you seen out of the Nuggets uh, so far in these early stages, which uh, might suggest uh, a successful sort of crack at defending? Well, an improved effort in Game 2. And what I really liked from them is that they were able to bounce back after a poor first half against the Sharks. You know, they've got elite talent. Todd Withers is, is quite easy, possibly the best defensive player in the game. Sam Timmons is a quality local import-level big who should be giving you a double-double every game. Uh, it looks like McLaughlin's pretty solid. And once they get that third import in there, whoever that's going, or with Michael Harris in there, if he can start shooting the ball a little well, better, it can go well. But... You know, he started 0 for 8 yesterday, hit his next two threes, and those two threes are really what propelled them to the lead where they never flipped back in Sharks. Defensive identity is going to be what's important for them. Uh, and then, fortunately, the doors are now closed, and I'm going to have to get off because uh, I'm being told that uh, we're about to do the security briefing here on the plane. Maybe. Understand that, uh, Casey. Thanks very much for your time this morning, and uh, safe flight. Cheers for that. Thank you. All right. Thanks for the time, boys. Catch you on the next one. <laughs>
Yeah, cheers. Uh, that uh, Casey Frank, of course, uh, who's uh, sitting on a plane about to uh, have the door closed and uh, have to go through that uh, tedious uh, security announcement. Where we all know it back to front anyway. So, um, so yeah, Casey Frank with us there. And uh, I've got to say, I watched a, a little bit over the weekend, uh, Ricardo. I thought to myself, uh, this is a, a really interesting league. The crowds are good. Um, hard to pick a winner. Uh, and I just think it, it's setting a really good base. I think uh, just another example where basketball is profiting in this in this country. Yeah, basketball continues to get it right, don't they? I mean, this is you know Justin Nelson, who we've had on plenty of times, came in as the GM for this league and turned it around. Hugh Bain and carried on that good work, and they've really set the business up, uh, the business model up really well. You know, and we've got two more teams joining next season, Smithy. It's just going to get bigger. Uh, we've got uh, was it the Bay of Plenty Stingrays coming in, and a team out of Queenstown as well. Uh, not sure on on what their title will be. Uh, some saying the Millionaires, some saying the Lakers. Who knows? Uh, but um, you know that that league is just going strength to strength. Oh, look, I, I like the coverage. I like the enthusiasm in the coverage. But it's just uh, you know, it's okay. It's 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 not the, the NBL. It's not it's not the NBA. Um, you know, so from time to time, the, you know, the standards quite clearly are not not the same. But it's the competitive nature of it. I mean, the, those results over the weekend, you look at the points table and you think to yourself, after two weeks, there's so much belief. There's still a, the odd side have still got, to, as you say, imports to come in to complete their squad numbers and their makeup. But uh, there doesn't look to be, um, although you look at the Tuatara 80 to 55, you look at that margin, you think, well, that's a blowout. Apart from that, there doesn't seem to be that kind of theme to it or that kind of feel to the league at this point. No, you're right. And, you know, the, the team that um, gets beaten 80 to 55, you expect them to back up the next week and, and, and cop the same hiding, but they haven't. They've come back and won one against the league leaders. I mean, you know, so they just had an off day. Just shows you how tight that competition is um, from woe to go. And, you know, we've got some decent ownership now. Obviously, Hachi that owns ZCNZ owns the Otago Nuggets. And I, I'd imagine there's other owners in the uh, Australian NBL looking at this as a bit of a development league, you know, why not buy a team here or invest in a team here you can have some of your fringe players that are coming through, some of your young guys that you're developing come here, play a tough season, get some experience and a good level comp and then take them back to the uh, the ANBL as well mm, Absolutely, uh, we'll keep an eye on that, that sells NBL, it's a beauty uh, and of course uh, our uh, Nuggets are successful over the Southland Sharks at the weekend just to top it off, nine 44 here on SCNZ. Agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Rightio, uh, over the weekend we had uh, a crack at uh, the Sharks to beat the Roosters. Uh, yes, that came to fruition. Good, uh, impressive side, the Sharks. I think they're one for the comp uh, right at the pointy end. Uh, the Warriors to beat the Cowboys. Yeah, was it ever in doubt? What an impressive performance that was again at home. Uh, and then I went for Moana Pacifica to beat the Reds. The Reds on a bit of a downer. Uh, Moana Pacifica at home I thought the special occasion and everything might just be absolutely what they needed to lift them to their first win of the season wasn't to be, they uh, conceded too many points softly I believe uh, particularly after they'd scored themselves they let the Reds uh, come back too quickly um, so uh, they got close enough at the end but they were never going to win so uh, that one missed out so uh, we weren't fortunate in that one at all
which leads us to uh, today's one, uh, which is uh, based uh, around uh, some basketball, the Denver Nuggets. Um, it's playoff time, of course, the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Denver Nuggets to beat the Minnesota Timberwolves at $1.29. Uh, baseball, uh, uh, the Battle of Texas, really. It's the Houston Astros to beat the Texas Rangers, I believe, at $1.48. And then there's a game of uh, Netty tonight, netball, Monday night netball, of course. Uh, it's the Central Pulse who are um, expected to comfortably beat the Steel, who just can't take a trick. Um, but uh, I've taken uh, the goal start here. Minus 13.5 goals over the Steel. So uh, Central Pulse need to win by 14. And that's uh, $1.85, and that'll multi-up at $3.53. $3.53, so... Um, that um, I feel is uh, quite a healthy look at uh, Mouldy. We're going to talk some uh, football coming up with uh, Jacob Spoonley, but before we do, uh, I just thought I might uh, touch on um, the fact that uh, the points table looks interesting with you, Ricardo. Now that uh, Manchester United uh, got up this morning um, and knocking over Nottingham Forest, uh, they're firmly ensconced now in third on the table. Can't win it. But it uh, looks like they're maybe getting pretty safe for a decent spot in Europe next year. Yeah, looking that way, Smithy. And, and they did it today uh, without a lot of players as well. They, they copped a bunch of injuries uh, recently. That game against Sevilla, the first uh, leg game against Sevilla. Uh, Lissandro Martinez, the uh, Argentinian World Cup winning centre-back, they lost him to a metatarsal break. He's gone for the season. Rafa Varane also limped out of that game at half-time. Um, and Marcus Rashford's out at the moment as well. So today they didn't have Luke Shaw either. Um, so they're, they're really struggling at the moment, United with injury. So uh, three of the normal of their top back four were unavailable today, and their top goal scorer was unavailable. So you take two nil on the road any day, and uh, just trying to manage that squad through to the end of the season now for Eric Ten Hag. Yeah, big result, bad result for Spurs. I thought as well. There, they had a chance to make up some ground on Newcastle, perhaps leapfrog them. Uh, weren't able to do it with uh, Newcastle getting beaten. Uh, of course, uh, 3-0 thumped by Aston Villa and Spurs conceding three goals at home to Bournemouth. Yeah, to Bournemouth. Bournemouth. I mean, Bournemouth have, have won five of their last nine, which is uh, great for them. They currently sit 14th now uh, on 33 points and maybe not quite mathematically safe, but the way everyone else is going, uh, you know, there's six points ahead of... 18th spot in the next relegation slot and I think they're looking pretty good at the moment Bournemouth and as you said Spurs I mean Smithy, uh, they, they shouldn't have won last week against Brighton. They re- the, the officials did Brighton a dirty in that game, and so did VAR. In fact, so much so that the head of referees in England apologised to, to Brighton for some of the calls because VAR yeah. even got things wrong. So, yeah, uh, Tottenham haven't been travelling well. Uh, it almost puts... You know, and to focus what Antonio Conte said when he left, you know, he gave them an absolute serve, the players, and just said that they weren't up to it mentally. They were they were just in it for themselves. It'll be interesting to see what happens the next three games because they have Newcastle, Liverpool, and Manchester United the next three games. Um, Spurs strike me as the sort of side that'll probably lift for those games, um, you know, b- because they are big games and, and they're spotlight games. But, it, uh, I mean, they could be the making or breaking of the season. It could be. In fact, you're dead right. Right, we'll take a, a break. Uh, we'll have a quick chat before 10 o'clock and then uh, Jake, Jacob Spoonley to continue the football theme after that. Agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 
Latest round of uh, the PGA is uh, reaching its uh, absolute climax. They're going down the 18th, and uh, Jordan Spieth and uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick uh, both share the lead on 17 under. Matthew Fitzpatrick has hit his uh, ball down the middle. Jordan Spieth has hit his ball down the middle. So uh, both uh, hitting into the uh, the 18th green with um, a decent uh, opportunity for birdie there. So keep an eye on that for you. Uh, text, uh, texts have come in uh, did you get much chat from Coney in the slip smithy that might put you off your concentration sometimes no um, Jeremy Coney very intelligent man um, a lot of intelligent chat some of it way above our calling for the likes of the slip cordon around him and the wicket keeper uh, a very smart man very good captain for that respect uh, looked, and you can hear in his comments actually didn't give me a lot of warning um, on any of the questions or none at all really um, but the way he thinks through things and recalls things uh, makes him uh, the commentator that he was and the captain that he was. So, yeah, good company, though. Seldom boring. Uh, seldom boring with Jerry Coney in the, at second slip. It's 10 o'clock here at SENZ Football next weekend in terms of the EPL and, of course, um, the A-League, which were of interest to us. Uh, Jacob Spoonley, of course, a former custodian for... Um, but the All-Whites, and uh, he's been around the world a lot, to be fair, perfectly honest, this bloke. He's also the co-host of Football Fix on Sky. They cover off a lot of uh, domestic issues as well. So uh, you'll be talking a wee bit, Jacob Spoonie, this week uh, about uh, Phoenix at Eden Park. Good morning to you. Good morning, Smithy. Yes, we will be talking about the Phoenix at Eden Park, I think. Probably an unlucky Phoenix at Eden Park yesterday. Well, Ricardo wrote me a question out here. Can you call a professional football team unlucky? Can you call them that? Look, I think you can off the back of what happened yesterday. However, what I think Ricardo is getting to is did they, could they afford to be unlucky? And that's the issue because they'd put themselves in a situation where the nest egg that they had accumulated over the course of the season disappeared. And what I mean by that is the distance between them and the chasing peloton they were occupying fifth fourth spot they were trying to secure themselves in that top four to get a home finals fixture and over the course of the last month that buffer disappeared so yesterday the wellington phoenix were unlucky but they put themselves in a situation where they couldn't afford to be so how's this got to this point where not long ago we were talking very seriously about hosting playoffs and now we're looking to try and stay in the playoffs how, how has this eventuated over it's such a relatively short period of time Jacob well, I think one factor that has been bandied about and Paul Eiffel was quite hot on this yesterday is the instability, the, the lack of security and certainty that's come about through the end of Ufuk's tenure and Tale has announced that he will not be continuing on as the Wellington Phoenix coach after this season. We've already heard about Ollie Sale and Clayton Lewis that they are moving on. And Stephen Ugarkovic is also part of that group. There's some suggestion that other players are in negotiations at the moment. So there could be some more rumblings about people moving on at the end of the season. I think, though, that these players and Ufuk Tale... They are professionals. They are still intently focused, singularly focused on getting results on the field. And if we look at what is actually happening on the field, they've got this vulnerability and fragility. And for mine, it's been the defence that has really caused them issues. 
They have conceded, Smithy, something like five goals from the last four games from set pieces, for example. That's a very manageable situation. It's one where the Phoenix can assert control. They can set up. But in actual fact, what's happened is that they've switched off, and we saw that against Melbourne Victory. We also need to factor in that they have played the two top teams in the competition. The machine from Melbourne City that keeps churning out results week in and week out and sits almost imperially on top of the table at the end of each season. And at the start of this run, they played a red-hot Adelaide United that has become the football factory in Australia, churning out these young, exciting, energetic prospects that are also paying dividends for Carl Vett, who himself has just extended at Adelaide United. So that all kind of wraps up into this really unsatisfying bundle for Phoenix fans. However, I don't think the Wellington Phoenix, the, the wheels won't fall off entirely. They just now need to be acutely aware that they don't have any second chances in these last two games. Yeah, uh, that, that's become quite um, quite apparent tactically um, in terms of uh, where they might or might not have gone right or wrong. The decision to bench uh, Boxer at half-time and move Payton to centre-back, uh, given uh, their equaliser was a mistake, with Boxer as a, a bigger, taller defender? Oh, look, I, I think um, it's, a, it's an unfortunate one. Nico's come in after the midway point of the season. And under Tale, I think two things are, are really paramount. One is understanding the role within the team. It's a very tactical approach to the game. Uh, and the second is that Nico really needs game time in order to win Ufi over. Um, Ufi does like and favour certainty. He likes known quantities. And Nico, being a new player, simply hasn't been able to put forward a portfolio of performances on the field to allow his coach to entrust him in key situations. If you look at the switch yesterday, I think Nico is very unfortunate. I think the only reason he gets taken off is because he is the latest player in that back line. Um, Tim Payne, I think, got caught one-on-one at certain times with Lofthouse and was beaten a bit too easily and regularly. Um, And so I think the change wasn't necessarily a reflection on, on Nico's individual performance, but rather that the collective was not holding off some pretty exciting prospects out wide for Brisbane yesterday in Henry Hoare and Jez Lofthouse. Okay. Rightio, uh, what are we hearing about um, the successor for Ufuk Tulay, an announcement this week, we're told. So uh, any can you put to bed any speculation for us this early? <laughs> no, no, I can't. Uh, look, I, I think the club's done a really good job of being discreet about the way in which Uh, they have recruited previously and if you look at Tale's tenure over the last four years I do believe that we've seen a maturing of the business that sits behind the football team Uh, not only are the Wellington Phoenix a lot more sophisticated in their commercial approach but they have confidence in the way in which they want to build out their footballing pathways and we know what that's like for players Tale has brought through several young Kiwi prospects Ben Wayne being the last um, and moved them on as well so they have become a talent exporter under Tully. I think um, that what was being suggested through the way in which uh, the fact that we're not hearing any rumours from overseas clubs, I think it might be an internal appointment. And if that is the case, I think that's great because it means that we can now plan long-term because we do have that succession in place. 
And Smithy, that's not always been the case with the Wellington Phoenix. At times it has been ad hoc, it's been reactive. Uh, and I think it is a turning point um, for the business that they can now plan out and project and, and plan internally as well, if it is the case that they will make an appointment from within. Isn't it interesting, though, we've got our, our top franchise team and our national team uh, without coaches, without um, people in charge at the same time, basically. It's not a good look, is it, Smitty? It, uh, it does leave us um, exposed uh, to a certain extent. And I think the key thing for mine is that we do want to have those positions filled uh, because we are producing players that we haven't before. I mean, I've made a lot of noise about this being the all-white squad with the most depth. But if you talk to anyone in footballing circles, um, they will talk about this generation that's born from 1999 to 2002. And that includes your Libby Kakaches, your Sarpreet Singh, your Marcus Stamenich, your Joe Bells. Um, and a number of those players, to your point, have come through the Wellington Phoenix finishing school, shall we say. They, they've been recruited into that age group that sits underneath the first team and then they get given their opportunities within the Wellington Phoenix first team. And that is another change that didn't... There's another change from 10 years ago, rather, Smithy, where we were signing really, really second-tier Australian players, and that's been very fair. They were journeymen and we're getting them to be brought in and add them to our national team players. Again, that is not the case any longer. We are at a point where I think we're now starting to understand ourselves from a footballing perspective, and that's really exciting. Hey, Jacob, uh, Ricardo here, mate. I, I was up at Kiwi Tear Street last weekend, and I heard from the boys up there uh, that one Ramon Trebuliac is back in the country, and he's not back in the country to have anything to do with Auckland City that they're aware of. Is he an option for the Phoenix, do you think, or do you reckon they're going to go internal? I think Ramon is somebody that obviously had wonderful success at a domestic level. Um, he has uh, been looking for a professional opportunity for some time. Uh, you can correct me here, Ricardo, but I think he was an assistant coach um, for a Russian second-tier team and then moved on into a Hungarian setup. Uh, so he's someone that's probably been really disrupted by COVID, and it would make sense that he would be interested in a, uh, a local opportunity here in New Zealand. He obviously knows the landscape really well. Um, and he's had great success. And, and the key thing, I think, is that the Phoenix haven't been afraid of giving assistant coaches or stately coaches um, from Australia uh, a chance. Um, the question now is, is there somebody who's got that, that uh, CV that relies on local um, success and are they willing to give them a, uh, a go in the top seat? Right, OK, let's look at uh, the EPL if we can. Um, uh, with your uh, expert eye, Jacob, um, interesting results over the weekend. Um, but um, we've got a very interesting clash coming up tomorrow, Leeds and Liverpool. Yes, one of those traditional fixtures. Um, it doesn't really have the glitz and the glamour that it did uh, about 10 to 15 years ago where you'd back Leeds to take points off Liverpool fairly regularly. Um, but it is still a massive fixture in the footballing landscape in the EPL. It is one of those traditional northern-style football matches. And it's an important three points for both teams. And the teams need them for different reasons. The motivation will be the same, but they'll be heading in different directions. Leeds are still trying to navigate their way um, out of this relegation battle. And Liverpool are looking to resurrect to try and reanimate their season because I think this is a key thing for me, Smitty, if I can just put my Liverpool hat on for a moment. 
Liverpool will not be in the Champions League next year. I think we can say that with absolute certainty now. And what that means is that they will forego somewhere in the region of £70 million to £95 million pounds in prize money and commercial incentives alone. Now, if I'm standing back and looking at that and trying to link two dots together with that prize money and then also the announcement that they won't be pursuing Jude Bellingham any further, I'm probably saying that that is half of the transfer fee that Liverpool would have to fork out for Jude Bellingham. So their lack of success this season, their inability to put together a decent run of games is not only going to impact the side from a footballing sense next year, but it's also now starting to hamstring the team's ability to compete off the field and recruit players. Um, Coming back to the fixture tomorrow, uh, Jurgen Klopp, I think, um, acknowledged that it's a lot of pressure that he's currently under. No one's talking about him being removed um, before the end of the season from Liverpool, but he is one of the players, or one of the managers, rather, that doesn't really sit within this pattern um, where poor results have meant that he has had uh, the end of his run at the club. So I think he's acknowledging that he's in a pretty privileged position at the moment and he'll want to repay the owners with three points tomorrow morning. Mm, interesting. Southampton doomed, do you think, now? I think they'll, they're will they going to go very, very close to uh, to, to um, playing championship football next year. I, I don't know if they're doomed necessarily, but I've been looking at what's been going on off the field um, I think they're up to their third manager this season. They haven't always recruited the best person for the role when it has been vacant. Um, so I think, again, off-field decisions and um, a lack of confidence in that front office has really impacted uh, Southampton on-field. And then they will probably be playing championship football next season. Uh, Arsenal getting the jitters? <laughs> That's a loaded question, Smithy. I do love it. Um, Arsenal, I think, are in rarefied air at the moment. They haven't been here before. Mikel Arteta has not been here before. This young team that he's put together, this exciting team that has done wonderfully well to get them to the top of the league at this point, they haven't been here before. And they do have this machine that is grinding away below them. Only four points separate Arsenal and Manchester City now. And Manchester City have a game in hand which they can lord over Arsenal. They can make that the burden that they have to operate under until the teams get back on level pegging. And what we are seeing from Manchester City is that whatever is put before them, they devour. And Arsenal will be thinking, are we next? Yeah, absolutely they will. Um, Great to catch up with you, uh, Jacob. As always, Phoenix uh, up against Western Sydney uh, and then MacArthur to follow. So plenty of opportunity to still for them. Uh, but on the road makes it a little bit tougher, eh? It does, Smitty, but I think this game this weekend is one in which the Wellington Phoenix will go in and they won't fare Western Sydney, despite the fact that they're above them on the table. And I think that this is actually going to be a dress rehearsal for the first round of finals football where we see the Wellington Phoenix travel to Parramatta. So it could be a game where... Both Mark Rudan and Ufuk Tully potentially play with a couple of cards behind their back. Right, uh, we'll watch that uh, with real interest. Jacob Spoonley, always uh, appreciate you being available. Thanks for your time this morning, mate. Cheers. Thank you very much, Lee. Cheers.
Cheers. It is uh, 10, uh, 17 here on SENZ. We've got a panel uh, coming up. Uh, Tom Bartlett with us this morning, as is uh, the one, the only, Mark Richardson. Uh, looking forward to talking to Rigger as well and Tom very shortly. Brand are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Tom Bartlett uh, with us this morning and a debut too for Mark Richardson very shortly as well. Tom, if I I can start with you um, in terms of the Warriors, uh, they're getting it done. Um, It's not always pretty, but it's gritty um, and they're paying a dividend because of that. Yeah, morning, Smithy. Yeah, they are. Look, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a heck of a ride, isn't it, already? We're only seven rounds in, and uh, it's a little bit up and down at times, but, you know, you've got to like You've got to like what you've seen so far. They, I mean, particularly the game in the weekend, um, Smithy, I, I really enjoyed that. I thought that was a real arm wrestle, the kind of game that the Warriors just haven't had enough, um, you know, to use this, this word, not lightly, but enough backbone in the past to to battle through a performance like that. So, um, yeah, really exciting. And, and it's, uh, yeah, the, the bandwagon's filling up. Everyone's jumping on board, and it's a lot of fun. Mark Richardson with us this morning. Uh, Rigger, thanks uh, for uh, coming on the show. Really uh, looking forward to your comments this morning. Are you on the, are you on the uh, bandwagon? Are you on the Warriors bandwagon? Yeah, Smithy, uh, long time no speak. Nice to uh, speak with you again. Yeah, I've been on the, I've been on the, I've kept the faith for a long time. I've always enjoyed the Warriors because one thing I like about sport is I like to watch sport where you don't know who's going to win. That's sort of part of it. But I'm with Tom. What I liked about that performance in the weekend was they won ugly. And sides that um, are winning and then don't play at their best, Sean Johnson had a, had a day off with the boot, um, who aren't playing at their best but then get the job done and, and manage to fight. It shows, to me, that shows a, a genuine culture shift um, and winning ugly in a season when you're you're having some nice wins, I, I think actually you can read more into that. And it was a really good performance. It is a good performance, Rigger, and I, I I'm start, struggling to put my finger on it. But um, this guy Webster, this Andrew Webster, I've spoken to him a couple of times, but he must have something uh, very special for a team that didn't want to play last year, who can't wait to lace their boots up this year. Well, they're defending, aren't they? And I can remember, you know, in previous jobs when I've been able to go out and actually talk to some of the Warriors and years when they've actually done quite well and they all talk about defence, 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 defence. So often we talk about the Warriors, we want the razzle-dazzle and, and the great tries. But, you know, good sides. I, see, I, I think you see it in most sports. You know, when you're playing well, you're defending well. World Championships are one in defence. And all of a sudden, these guys are defending their line and then when they turn it around, they, they can score points at the other end. Tom Bartlett, uh, let's uh, talk a little bit uh, of Super Rugby if we can, please. Um, the Hurricanes, the Chiefs, without doubt, it was the it was the uh, standard bearer for the competition in terms of fixtures this weekend. Uh, Hurricanes blowing a, a lead, a half-time lead. The Chiefs scoring uh, what twenty-something unanswered points there. Uh, what did you make of the occasion, the day out? And I emphasise the day out, the crowd, etc. What did you make of it? Yeah, look, I, I loved it, Smithy. I thought it was um, yeah, a great afternoon. I mean, afternoon footy. It's uh, it's it's no secret that it's a it's a favourite amongst uh, those who attend the games uh, and the players as well. So, and I think the the match was sort of fitting for the for the fact that it had moved. There was um, lots of movement in the game, and uh, being a Hurricanes fan, it was a bit of a bit of a tough watch, uh, Smithy. I won't lie, uh, particularly that second half. But you've got to take your head off to the Chiefs, who 
uh, we've seen them do it in, in poor conditions this year. We've seen them do it, uh, you know, obviously in, in the in the evening kickoffs and and here on a on a dry track in Wellington, they they were just too good and they rolled over the top of the of the Hurricanes and and very much underlined their credentials. But I, I thought the occasion was great. It was just a reminder of that afternoon. We've been lucky, I suppose, with Super Rugby Pacific and the fact that the the competition it does have. Um, a few games in the afternoon, and that's that's great, and we we understand why um, evening footy is is the is the preference. But when you do get one, and then you get a game like that, it just it's just a reminder of of, of how good it can be, isn't it? Well, that's the thing that uh, I liked about it most of all, uh, Rigger, was the fact that you you turn on the telly and you see a lot of those uh, horrible yellow seats at the stadium actually with bums on them for a change. Um, did they stumble onto, out of luck, did they stumble onto things, uh, the fact that the, the lights weren't uh, up for working, did they, have they stumbled on something that perhaps they should look at more carefully? Afternoon. Well, you know, as a broadcaster, pays the bills, and it's, it's the broadcast dollar, and obviously the, the night footy suits that a lot better. But then you want your product to look good, and, and all of a sudden, Super Rugby and rugby in general come under a bit of heat. It uh, needs to produce a good product. Well, one thing that makes that product look so much better is, is actually a crowd. It says when you turn on the telly, well, this is something that's important to people, because you, you don't know who else is watching the telly, but you can actually see who's actually made the effort to go down to the ground, and afternoon footy does that. Um, you know, I, I, I compare it to the Big Bash and, and, and the Super Smash when it comes to cricket. I, I think the standard in our domestic cricket game is, is, is just as good as what you see over there in, in the Big Bash. But why does the Big Bash always seem so much better? Because it's got the Raz, because it has the bums on seats, because when you switch on and watch it, it's got, mm. it's got a crowd, it's got atmosphere, and that's what afternoon footy does. But will it, will it actually get the, uh, keep the broadcast right and, and the rights holders happy? I don't know. No, I don't know either, um, and that is an interesting thing at, at this point. Um, I'm going to talk to the cricket after uh, with some cricket uh, with your rigour after the news that we're coming up to uh, very shortly, uh, and you too as well, um, Tom. Um, I think the other thing that adds to it uh, for me, Tom, is the availability of every star that is available uh, to you, in other words, not injured, uh, being available to play in the big clashes. I, I think... Uh, that's another factor, and they've got to look at that. Oh, absolutely, no question, Smithy. And um, you know, this this year has been a a real. Uh, it's been a bit of a head scratcher, hasn't it, in terms of you know guys. I mean, there's been obviously a, a number of number of injuries that's taken a few of the top players out, but also there's been these these rest weeks, and and I get it, I understand why they're doing it, but um, yeah, it, it, I mean, imagine that game in the weekend, for example, being. Um, you know, losing like a Damien McKenzie not being available to play that game. Now he orchestrated and has been orchestrating the Chiefs uh, all season, but to have had a fixture like that with someone like that unavailable um, because of needing a break, then well, that would have been a real a real killer. And, and just just to go back and not to harp on about the afternoon stuff, but my brother took our, our three nephews to that game on Saturday afternoon. All the the boys are under, um, you know, they're sort of nine and under. They they can't go to a seven o'clock game, so they they got a chance to go along um, to that game and see the best players in action, um, there's, there's wins all over there. And yes, I, I get it with the broadcaster having the, the, the final say, but heck, when you get a crowd like that and, and kids get a chance to see guys like McKenzie in the flesh and under the sunlight, um, I don't see how there's any losers in that. Uh, there's no losers for me. Uh, 10.30 here on SNZ. Take a short news break and come back with Mark Richardson uh, and Tom Bartlett. Talk, talk to me, yeah. 
It's 10.32. We have uh, Tom Bartlett with us this morning, as uh, well as uh, Mark Richardson, of course, a former Black Cap, but also a commentator with uh, Spark Sport. And um, uh, over the season, uh, Rigger, what was uh, your overall impression of the home summer of cricket? Two great test matches. Um, what else did, did you see? Yeah, it was probably a little bit up and down. Without a doubt, you know, there's that consistent that, that consistent side that took them through to the World Test Championship. It doesn't exist any longer. Key players have moved on. Um, they're not probably playing the same amount of cricket. I think that bowling attack, which was so crucial, um, that created such a synergy amongst the four of them, that's, uh, that's no longer there. Still desperately searching... Well, we have a test bowler, AJ Sattel, but when the hell can we play him? That's always a major concern. He just should be in the side the whole time. So I think they're searching for that balance once again. But they fought hard throughout the season. Um, they had no business coming back and winning that test match, um, you know, in Wellington, that amazing one after being smashed against England. Um, you know, Kane Williamson came back to form and did what Kane Williamson does. So yeah, the, the key pieces are there, the fight's there. I just think it's a slight change in the garden. With that, we're probably, as fans, going to have to endure a little bit of inconsistency for a while. Tom Bartlett, uh, at the moment, uh, the Black Caps, and I say that uh, with an inverted commas because there's so many defections from the side, uh, playing Pakistan without any great success at all. Uh, uh, 0 for 2 and uh, big hidings as well by T20 standards. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, I'm probably not the only person who thought that this particular group might might struggle uh, in Pakistan, um, you know, playing in those conditions with the, the experience that that group's got. I mean, obviously there are some some, some players in that, that New Zealand team at the moment that have played plenty of international cricket. You know, I'm looking at the likes of, you know, the Matt Henrys and Jimmy Neeshams and Tom Lathams and those those types, but then there's this core group that are, that are really finding out how tough um, places like Pakistan can be and, and I do notice, and you touched on there that the you know black caps sort of in inverted commas with so many of the the first liners playing in the IPL or or unavailable. And Pakistan, meanwhile, are rolling out um, Babar Azam and Shaheen Afridi back in action. It's, uh, it feels like a little bit unfair that uh, none of these guys seems to have uh, headed off to the IPL, and anyone who's anyone in our team certainly has. So uh, yeah, no surprise um, to me that they're struggling and, and I, I hope they can find a way to, to keep the series alive uh, tomorrow morning. But um, yeah, I've got my, my fears for them that uh, they're going to find it pretty tough to, to get a result over there. Rugger, you, do you read much into this kind of series? Well, I'm looking for someone to stand up and perform. Um, I'm excited about um, Rachin Ravindra. I think when it comes to the World Cup and the subcontinent, having three, the, the availability, well, the chance to play three spin bowlers, um, and all of them can do a pretty good job with the bat, and two of them, you'd say, do a very good job with the bat when they're performing, and that's uh, that's Ravindra, that's obviously Mitchell Santner, who's such a key member, and then it means you can also play Sodi, who could bat down there at 10 or even 11, uh, and, and get the job done for you, probably 10. I'm excited about that. So this is just a chance for some of those fringe guys to actually prove that they can play under pressure. When it comes to this, this World Cup, I, I think our, that we, we blew out Wooden. I don't know if we blew it, but that was our best chance, I think, in a long time to win a World Cup in English conditions. Can we win a World Cup in subcontinent conditions? Maybe beating two subcontinent sides in a semi-final and a final who are obviously in form. Uh, that's going to be a tougher job than what they that was that confronted them over in English conditions. 
Um, but if we get those three those three slow bowling options in place, two of them who provide a good batting um, credentials, yeah, I, they've, they've got an outside chance. Right, OK. Um, another issue that's uh, read a slightly ugly head here is uh, Brendan McCullum, who is everyone's friend in, uh, in world cricket at the moment, it seems, with the style of cricket uh, England are playing. Everyone wants a piece of them. Uh, but all of a sudden, it seems, Tom, that uh, Brendan might have got himself into a little bit of hot water here advertising a, a betting situation. Yeah, look, it's, um, it was, it, this sort of came out, and, and for a while there, it felt like it was just going to kind of disappear under the radar. But then it kind of, it kind of piped up again when the English, English Cricket Board, who are obviously Brendan's current um, employer, um, said they were going to have a bit of a word to him about it, which obviously creates a whole different kind of set of um, problems for him potentially. Uh, it doesn't sound like you know he's under investigation or anything, but they certainly wanted to, and the fact that they, they deemed it necessary to make that public, that they wanted to have a chat to him about it, um, just puts it in a slightly different league, doesn't it? So, yeah, look, it's a uh, it's a it's an interesting one. You, you know, these sponsorship deals that that various people get in, involved in, whether they're, whether or not they're uh, betting companies or you know fast food or whatever it is, there's always um, you know various issues that can come along with them, and you can cop criticism. But he certainly got himself into a, a little bit of a sticky situation here, particularly now as his current employer wants to have a chat to him about it. Knowing Brendan very well, uh, Rigger, what have you? How have you read this situation? Uh, storming a teacup for him, or what, what do you think? Uh, I think for him, storming a keeper. I was surprised. I'm surprised he actually took took the deal. They must be paying him a hell of a lot of money to actually do it. I guess yeah, Brendan just would have gone. Oh yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. Because he doesn't see anything wrong with gambling. He, he loves the he loves the punt himself. Um, he's not some sort of liberal left-wing dribbler, so he's only really going to see it from, uh, you know, you take responsibility for your own actions. Um, but if you want to avoid the fallout, if, if, if you care about the fallout, then I guess when it comes to taking deals of this type of nature that, you know, there's always going to be a social... People are always going to point the finger at the, the social and moral responsibility um, of actually backing these types of things, then then you have to think them through carefully. And if you're prepared to take that, you're prepared to say, well, no, I believe in what I'm doing, then go ahead and do it, and uh, it'll all pass by very soon. Rightio. Uh, the other thing um, which is coming up for the Black Caps as well in terms of decision-making from the hierarchy uh, rigor is uh, what they're going to do about it, the coaching setup. OK, Gary Stead takes them through to this World Cup. He has openly said uh, he believes now the time is right to split roles between white and red ball cricket. I don't quite know whether that means he wants to hang around and do one of those two or whether it's time to move on. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested in that. Whether he, I think he does want to continue. Um, you know, if it was me, I'd, I'd want to continue in, in, the white, in the red ball form. I think it's probably, you know, you're based in one place. Um, he, he can get in there and he, he can work with... Um, with the new captain, and I don't, I, I think Tim, I don't know how long Tim Sally will be the, the, the Black Caps test captain for. It feels like you know a little bit of a transitional move because he's starting to get towards the end of his career. Um, and one injury, you never know at that age, one injury could do it. But uh, it, it probably it, it's a huge job, and with with personnel coming and going all the time in, in the short forms, um, it's a lot for what, to ask of one person. So without a doubt, I think the time is probably right. It's probably a good time to do it with all the upheaval and players coming and going and, and trying to find um, consistent teams in, in, in each form. Um, so, yeah, I think the time's right. I don't know who those coaches will be, but I, I'm picking that Gary said 
may want to remain in the test job. Mm. That's interesting, uh, Rigger, because you know the the two most likely candidates you would think, and they haven't really been tested as head coaches of international sides for us. If we were to stay within, would be Daniel Vittori and Stephen Fleming. But uh, you've been working with Flem over summer. I'm not sure we can afford him for one, or whether they want to do it. I don't know if Flem would want to do it. I think he's quite comfortable um, doing what he's doing. Um, he'd be a great bloke to have involved in the setup. I see him as a little bit like uh, the fella from Moneyball. I think that's how Flem operates. He's pretty good at um, at putting a, a team together, getting the personnel, and and then maybe someone else can can get the most out of them. But you know, I, I, to, I it would almost be a step down. Where Stephen Fleming is right now in his coaching career, I would see it probably, and he might see while he, he's a New Zealander, he might see it as a bit of a bit of a step down. Dan Vittori, yeah, um, unfortunately, you know, with all due respect, Dan doesn't really have the, a track record of, he's gaining, he's gaining experience, but he probably doesn't have the track record of, of success in his coaching career, which might count against him. Um, and and he, I think he's probably, as you say, just probably happy doing what he's doing, maybe doesn't want to put, him under, put himself under so much pressure. Would New Zealand rigger have the money or the, uh, what's the word um, I'm looking for here? Would they have, um, would they be daring enough to go for a Justin Langer type? I mean, here's a bloke who's got, still got business uh, unfinished, it would seem. Um, and would they have the money, though, for a Justin Langer? Are they prepared to spend that kind of freight? Oh, Smithy, if I'm, if I'm still in the scene to work on cricket and Justin Langer becomes New Zealand cricket coach, I'm leaving the country. Right. <laughs> I couldn't deal okay. with it. I just could not <laughs> deal with Justin Langer coaching the Black Cat. But I know what you're saying. Can we go for a high-profile uh, coach? I, it so frustrates me as, as, as having worked on New Zealand cricket and been involved with New Zealand cricket for so very long, having seen them go through to being the World Test Championship, having seen them rank you know, the top of, of the tree, the top of the table in all forms, and I still think we are still viewed as a bit of a cricketing backwater, just a plucky underdog. And I, I can't, I just can't see us changing that. And I think that feeds through as to when, when we want to get the big coaches, it, it's always going to be difficult for us. On that subject, uh, Tom Bartlett, um, Clayton McMillan, uh, even though he wasn't there at the weekend, has built a hell of a team here by the look of the, the Chiefs. They're playing a uh, wonderful style of rugby. Can uh, can you see Clayton McMillan being a part of uh, Scott Robertson's plans? Well, that's a that's a good one, Smithy. Uh, look, his name hasn't been uh, linked, and I, I think I read in the in the paper or I saw on on one of the sites about you know a slightly you know um, there's an there's a there's an option here and you know hidden in plain sight, and that um, Clayton McMillan is doing a good job. He certainly hasn't been been linked to the Scott Robertson um, ticket, if you like, in terms of the ahead of the appointment as the next all-back coach or all the speculation around who's going to join him in the assistant. So I feel like at this point, um, Clayton McMillan's probably on the outer, but that's just based on um, you know what I'm hearing, not not um, what might actually be happening. But um, he certainly, you, you can't take it away from him. He's, he came in um, you know a couple of years ago during the COVID situation with Warren Gatlin as the head coach and took over and, and did a, a wonderful job while Gatlin was involved with the, the Lions in South Africa and obviously has taken on the team and now he's got them 
uh, you know, in a proper competition, and they are humming along. So, you know, the proof's in the pudding, really, isn't it? You've got to you've got to tip your hat when you can see what he's building. I mean, he'll he'll know though to to really to make a statement. He's got to get this team all the way to the to the final, and then he's got to lift the trophy when they get there. So uh, that's the way I'm sure he's he's looking at it uh, in terms of his, his own coaching situation at the moment. But look, it's a, it's a good option. You can't turn your back on someone who's who's building that kind of record that he is. No, I don't think it can be totally ignored uh, anyway. Right. Um, gentlemen, thank you very much, Mark Richardson, for taking some time out today. And you, Tom Bartlett, to uh, add your thoughts to uh, the panel. We'll uh, hopefully have another one same time uh, tomorrow morning. Yes, Mark Richardson, Tom Bartlett, uh, thank you very much. It is uh, 10.44 here on SENZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. As a play up and a play off in the golf, uh, as uh, we speak, and uh, Jordan Spieth is uh, just teeing off uh, hole number eighteen. It's their third playoff hole. They're going through at this stage. That is uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick and Jordan Spieth. Uh, both had opportunities to win it, and both have missed parts. So, at the moment, uh, it's probably advantage Spieth. that drives just a little bit further down than uh, Fitzpatrick, but um, they can't separate the two at the moment. A massive twenty million dollar prize up for grabs as well. Uh, well, the purse is 20. Uh, they'll be playing for about 3.5, 3.6 million uh, first place. So not to be sneezed at, as they say. Texts that have uh, come in today. Um, love the interview. Um, this was Neil prompting Rigger's response uh, regarding the coach. Justin Langer, for me, is the obvious replacement. He will have unfinished business. Uh, Neil, well, you certainly got a reaction out of Rigger. He's going to leave the country if he gets appointed. So there you go. Um, I, I believe that Langer might be just as he was for uh, the Australians at times, I think are too tough. I, I think a real culture shock for uh, a lot of New Zealand cricketers, I think a long way removed from Gary Stead. Gary Stead's a very quietly spoken sort of a bloke who just goes about organising things and does it and does, doesn't seem to get too upset or too downcast or too delighted actually. He just seems to keep a, a fairly level plane. Justin Langer, anything but. We've seen... A documentary series in the dressing room where Justin Langer has gone nuts at times, throwing rubbish bins and things around. He's apparently very, very tough on his players. They don't like that uh, that kind of thing. They decided, uh, even though he was so successful and the record was so successful, that they couldn't tolerate him. And Pat Cummins was basically more powerful in the dressing room and said, um, we can't have him. We don't want him. So they've gone for a guy in uh, Andrew McDonald who is, like Gary Stead, a great organiser, very quietly spoken, hardly recognisable actually. If you saw him in the touring party, you'd wonder who the coach was. Um, not the case. So, if Justin Langer was to come into the New Zealand setup, uh, I think his methods, unless he changed them a wee bit, would be a bit firm for what our players are used to. And uh, he might rub a few up the wrong way. Um, so, it's an interesting one though, Neil. I like it. Uh, very, very uh, knowledgeable man has come in and said uh, we should have gone to split coaches a while ago and read white ball cricket. Uh, lack of coaches is on uh, David White. Everyone was saying this two years ago, and he's moved glacially on it, and uh, options have moved on. Yes, we have heard that uh, uh, from Jeremy. A number of the options, particularly around domestic cricket here, have uh, seen their pathway blocked, basically, and have said, well, I'm gone. Going to do something else. Uh, we'll do something else in a moment too. Uh, we'll speak to uh, the TAB on uh, options for today. It's 10.52. It's in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
Right, let's get across to the TAB. Paul Mawati, you'll have your eyes on the golf, and uh, Jordan Spieth got a big putt to stay in it here. Yeah, that's right, Smitty. Uh, at the uh, RBC Heritage, where it's all happening for uh, Jordan Spieth uh, and punters, uh, he has been one of the most popular throughout the tournament. Um, so a lot of punters on the back of Jordan Spieth uh, to pick up a victory there uh, in the RBC Heritage. Also, a lot of other live sport going on at the moment. The NBA, we're down to the playoffs. There's a couple of games uh, on this afternoon. Phoenix Suns taking on the LA Clippers. The Suns $1.30. Clippers $3.40. And the Denver Nuggets up against the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Nuggets $1.28. Timberwolves three sixty. Punters backing the outsider in the late game. The Timberwolves have seen a significant amount of support as a 360 outsider. I'm also just having a little bow peep at some of the uh, power plays that the uh, bookies have put together. And one that's very, very popular in the Suns-Clippers game, Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard to combine for 55 or more points, 15 or more rebounds, and 10 or more assists. That's paying $6.00. And that has tweaked the interest of a number of punters out there. So they're looking for the two big dogs in that Suns Clippers games, uh, in that Suns Clipper game one, to go big today. Uh, just also having a look, I know there's the uh, Black Caps are over in Pakistan, uh, and they're not having the best of times in that T20 series. Uh, but we've got the next T- uh, T20 international up. Pakistan, a dollar twenty-seven favourites there. The Black Caps. 3.55, and in the top run scorer market for the Pakistanis, Babar Azam's the favourite. He's at $3, and he is very, very popular with punters. Thanks, Paul. You have a terrific day. I can tell uh, golf uh, punters that Matthew Fitzpatrick has just won it. Knocked his second within 12 inches on 18, sunk the putt, and has beaten Jordan Spieth in the playoff. We've got uh, Rugby League next with uh, Brandy Alexander, Greg Alexander, live out of Sydney. 1476 AM in Auckland. This is SENZ. It's Kiwi for Sport. And are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Rightio, uh, yeah, just uh, after uh, 11 o'clock, 11.03 in fact, and uh, very interesting, uh, that golf, fantastic second shot from um, Matthew Fitzpatrick. Mind you, it was the third time uh, they'd played the hole today. Uh, honestly, he knocked it within 12 inches. Uh, Jordan Spieth only replied uh, with one that uh, went to the back of the green. He had about a 45-foot putt to try and stay in the playoff. Uh, just went by uh, the left-hand uh, side of the hole, and uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick stepped up and knocked his in, so uh, that was that. Uh, just waiting to see if we have uh, Greg Alexander on the line with us. Nope, doesn't appear that um, at this point that uh, Brandy's with us. So uh, we're going to talk about uh, those results over the weekend. Uh, right, let's uh, catch up with Greg Alexander. Great uh, that you've been available to us uh, two weeks in a, a, a row, Brandy. Uh, it's just a fascinating contest, this NRL. It just keeps giving at this stage. Um, and it started way, way back last Thursday, seems forever ago, um, that uh, the, the Rabbitohs um, said to the Dolphins, right, enough's enough, we've got to address the balance there sure. Good to chat again mate, uh, you're right Yeah, South's uh, big winners in the end over the Dolphins 
Uh, the Dolphins have been plucky in some of their games and, and come up with some extraordinary results and, and wins and still sit in the top eight. They're on eight points and haven't had their bye yet. So uh, pretty impressive by the Dolphins, but just not not good enough for South Sydney. Plenty of strike. Cody Walker was very good. Latrell chimed in with a couple of uh, special pieces of play. And uh, the Dolphins, in front of 23,000, uh, went down and Souths uh, get their fourth win of the season and, and in the end did it convincingly, Smitty. How do you uh, read this? Uh, both of these sides, actually? 22-18, uh, the Sharks beat the Roosters. I, 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 it's struggling to get a take on both of these two sides early season. Uh, yeah, well, both were looking to respond after the Roosters, and, and you're right, the Roosters have had a pretty big injury toll. And I, I know there's plenty of sides that have that have struggled with injury, but uh, the Roosters in particular, their forward pack has been pulled apart by injury. They had some return through the New South Wales Cup, Angus Crichton, uh, who had had some, some problems to deal with over the off-season leading into the season. Uh, Satili Tupanua has played two games in the New South Wales Cup now. So they've got some big names returning to the side, but uh, yeah, they haven't actually set the world on fire yet. There's been, you know, Tedesco missed a couple of games through, uh, through head knocks. Uh, there's a bit of pressure on their halves. Uh, Sam Walker and Luke Keary. Joey Manu's been quite, or certainly quieter than he usually is. And the Sharks, on the flip side, also uh, coming off the back of that Warriors loss. Uh, they beat them at home after leading t- the Warriors 20 to nil. So uh, good performance by the Sharks. It was a, an all-round performance by them. And they did score three tries in the second half. The Roosters led at halftime, Smitty, 12-8. Mm. Um, didn't score a point in the second half. And the Sharks finished all over the top of them. Nico Hines, again, very good uh, for Cronulla. But both sides, yeah, been a bit hit and miss so far this season. But I, I expect both to be both to be up there when it gets towards the end of the season. Just when you think the Storm have uh, found uh, another level and uh, they're going to get themselves, ease themselves into, you know, a top of the table type situation as they're quite used to being, the Sea Eagles knock them over 18-8. I didn't see that coming, I'll be honest. Yeah, no, I, I, well, I, you know, Manly were, were embarrassed by the Panthers the week before. Penrith led 32-0 at halftime, and Manly never got into the game. And it was a, it was a big win by Penrith. Tom Trebojevic did hobble around for most of the game. You know, took an injury into the game, got a needle for a hip point injury, and ended up affecting his back. So, Tommy was a passenger against the Panthers. So you knew that there'd be some sort of response when a when a good side like Manly, and they've started the season well, I've got enough good players in Cherry Evans, Trebojevic brothers, um, to be to be a good side this year. When when players like that are challenged, um, there's normally a response, and they did. They gave it at home. Brookvale Oval, up against the Storm, the Battle of Brookie. Now, you know, we, we go back a dozen years to when when there was an all-in brawl there, um, um, uh, and and it's been known as the Battle of Brookie since. And even though there was no brawl, Smitty, boy, it was a physical game. There were some big hits. There was players sin-binned. It had everything, the game. And Manly, uh, in the end, too good for the Storm. The Storm had Cameron Munster at fullback um, because of the Nick Meaney problem, injury, missing the game. So they had Troy Pezzett at 5'8". I think that affected them. Um, but, yeah, Manly, just too good. And you're right, I, I thought the Storm after their wins over the Bunnies and the Roosters, look, look good things. But uh, Manly, Manly had a, 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 you know, 
Manly were challenged as a side after their big loss to Penrith and, and, and answered it with a good performance. Mm, they did. They really did. Um, Panthers are very tight over the, the night 16-15. Well, I, I didn't work Saturday, which is a rare thing. I, I'm, I'm normally doing something on a Saturday at either a game or in the studio, and um, I didn't work. So I, uh, so I sat at home and watched three games of gr- fantastic footy. Uh, the Warriors, the Cowboys into the Newcastle Panthers game. And you're right, they boy Penrith had to work hard. They weren't, you know, the week before everything was fluent. Their timing was perfect. Their execution was great, uh, but not so against Newcastle. And Newcastle really deserve a lot of the credit for putting Penrith off their game. Uh, Newcastle scored three tries to two. It was just the the goal kicking and the field goal from Nathan Cleary, uh, which was pretty special in Golden Point um, to to ice the game after the first set. Uh, around the 40-metre mark, struck it beautifully. But Newcastle really took it to the Panthers, Smitty, and, and made them work hard for that. Um, for Penrith, it's a good sign when you don't play well, when, you, when you're just off your game a bit, and when the other side take it to you, to still be able to win is a, a very good sign. But uh, Newcastle have been good. You know, they've, over the last month without Kale and Ponga, I don't think people thought that they would have put up the performances that they have and are uh, travelling well. But it was, a, it was a cracking game in front of a sellout crowd in Newcastle. Mm. Great crowd too, as you would expect at Mount Smart for uh, the Warriors and the Cowboys. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of people have, have had texts and, and comments this morning about the fact that uh, the Warriors won ugly, but uh, last year they were losing very, very ugly. If that's an ugly win, they'll take it any day of the week because the Cowboys are more than useful outfit. Oh, look, that that was a great win, and and I and I tip I tip the Cowboys. I thought, oh, the Cow might be, you know, they're getting a couple of players back. Uh, the Warriors have been fantastic, but you know, maybe the Cowboys just surprise everyone, even though they're, they're crossing the ditch to play and. You know, I tip the Cowboys, but more than happy to see the Warriors win. And after the the, the effort that they put in, boy, uh, that's a a Warriors side over the last I can't remember how many years would not have won that game. Would just would not have won the game with the mistakes they made, uh, their ability to defend those mistakes. Uh, you've got a, a side like the Cowboys who have got so many attacking weapons from in the forwards and the back line. For them to have 50 tackles inside the 20 and to restrict them to 14 points and to do enough to win the game was, was one I thought, one of the great performances of the year. And I sent Andrew Webster a text message after the game, Smitty. Uh, and, of course, Andrew was a was at the Panthers um, for a couple of years. And, uh, and I said to him, well, Webby, that was heart and mouth stuff, but what a great win. You've built a team that New Zealand can be proud of Full house to witness a gutsy win. Mount Smart, this fortress, really happy for you. Um, and, and that's how I felt. I felt, wow, that, this, this Warriors side, and I know seven games doesn't make a season, but they have been the storyline. And on our program this morning, Ian, uh, you know, plenty of chat about the Warriors and what they've been able to do in the opening seven weeks and the reasons for it. We had a, we had a Warriors fan call us from Tokyo this morning to say how happy he was and what an effort that, uh, you know, this team have made. But uh, that's how I feel about the Warriors at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. He's built something special. 
uh, boy, I hope it continues because that would be the story of the year. You see, uh, to me, uh, a lot of this is all about Andrew Webster because, uh, sure, they've brought in um, Richie Agar from uh, from uh, Yorkshire, but by and large, uh, the coaching setup hasn't changed that much. There's still those that group behind. Uh, what is it? I mean, you know this guy. You've seen him in action for Penrith. He's been ultra successful there. We're still trying to get to to the bottom of who this Andrew Webster is and how he can make a team who didn't want to play last year want to rush out and play this year so quickly. Uh, normally, things there's more than one thing that happens, uh, Smitty. You know, normally there's a, a whole and and when you when you're talking about a team that wins a comp, there's not just one reason. There's a whole lot of reasons uh, why a team is successful during the year. Uh, the things that we've we've, we've sort of um, you know, got out of out of the fans and and both Cameron Smith we had on on air this morning for our hour, uh, which we do every Monday. You know, they've moved home. That that that's a big point. The fact that they are back home, but there's been plenty of Kiwi uh, Warriors sides that have played out of New Zealand and haven't even looked closely uh, like this team this year. So that's that's one reason. The fact that they've moved back. The new coach is another reason. Uh, the new players is another reason. Um, the fact that they've got New South Wales Cup playing back this year, so they're competing. So they've got a team under them that are playing, that are keeping fit. And um, so you combine all those things, but you keep coming back to Andrew Webster. Um, you can have all those things. You can be playing at home. You can have some new players in your side. But unless unless you've got a coach that can get it into your head what is important, what you need to be doing is important in winning games and They've gone back to the basic things that are are important. And I guess Andrew Webster, over his two years at Penrith, and probably before that, um, began to understand what is important in winning football games. And it can be the most... It can be the, the simplest things in the game. It can be all about effort. And, and Smitty, when, when we... You know, I've been fortunate enough to be involved in the origin scene here over the last five years... And you realise what becomes important in a game. And my summary of origin is that it's 80, 85% effort um, with a, a bit of brilliance. And that, that's, that's origin. 85%, mm. 90% effort um, sprinkled with a bit of brilliance. And, and you've got the players that can be brilliant, but if that effort isn't there, and that's what the Warriors have done differently. And you look at, you look at Sean Johnson's game, and Sean has always been brilliant. Like, Sean Johnson is one of the most, you know, I think, best players in terms of can do things that other players can't over the last decade. But what he's done is mix that with uh, good decision-making and effort. Like, Sean Johnson kicking, ch- chasing his own kicks and, and being the first up there to make the tackle. Um, and if you get that sort of feeling throughout a, a team... Uh, they become very hard to beat, and the Warriors mm. are doing that. So to defend the, you know, they didn't play the perfect footy on the weekend, but to defend the the mistakes they made is the difference between this Warriors team and a Warriors team over the last decade. No, Tamari Martin for quite some time now it seems, uh, Brandy. But um, uh, they used Dylan Walker. They they tried uh, Dylan Walker at six. Uh, how did you rate that performance uh, going forward in terms of the issue in the six jersey? 
Well, he certainly played well enough to hold his jersey next week. So, um, you know, he's a he's a quality player, Dylan Walker, and he's he's evolved over the the, the years. You know, be first started as a centre. Um, over the last few years, he's been used as a bench player to come on and play in the middle because he's he's got the ability to to pass the ball and he's got good speed. So he he does trouble those big men in the middle. Uh, and then you know he's also played five eight at Manly for a, for a fair bit of time. So he's he's got the experience and off the back of his performance against the Cowboys, I you know, I don't see any problem with him moving forward. Uh, I, Luke Metcalf is an interesting one and played well in the trial games, tore a hamstring and tore it well and, you know, he's been over to the States to have it looked at. I don't know when he returns, but, um, you know, over the period that Tamari Martin is out, he'd be a handy man to come back in. But, after what Dylan Walker did on the weekend, and you know, knowing that he's played some, he's got some experience playing in the six jersey. I, I see no reason that he moved from there. Smitty, he was he was very good. Right, let's uh, look at the the Broncos um, and what they've got coming up because. Um, uh, my producer, uh, Ricardo, whispered on my ear before that uh, for the rest of the season as such, the Broncos will only be outside of Queensland uh, in terms of their matchups only six weeks out of uh, mm. Queensland. So how advantageous is that for them? And they're playing damn well. Eh? They mopped up the Titans. Uh, it seems like they haven't been out of Queensland much already, Smitty. So if, if that's the case, and I know they do trip around a bit, but I, I did hear something... Uh, that the the Broncos only play in New South Wales twice this year, uh, for some reason, some quirky reason. The, the draw and there's been a lot a lot of criticism aimed at the draw, and it is a very I, I can imagine, you know, the Canadian computer that uh, that does all this. The clubs throw in what they'd like to see and their marquee games, but apart from that, I don't think the clubs have much input on what happens in the draw. But the Broncos. Seem to have been in Queensland a lot, and I suppose with the extra side, the Dolphins in the comp now too. They uh, they don't have to leave there. They do play the the Eels in Darwin this weekend, so there's a bit of travel involved in that. But uh, the Broncos are flying high at the top of the competition after what was a good game in front of a, I think a record crowd at uh, at Seabus Super Stadium on the Gold Coast, uh, twenty seven thousand. They filled the stadium. After a, after a win they had against the Dragons the week before, the Titans, I think their home fans thought they were a chance. And for a lot of the game, they were a chance. It, it, was, a, it was a cracking game. Even though the score ended up big, uh, the Broncos did score four tries in the last 15 minutes to make it look like it was an easy game. So the score, no reflection of how good the game was. The Titans actually led at halftime, Smitty, 14-10. And they gave up a try right on the stroke of halftime. So they could have gone in at halftime with with a, a comfortable lead. Uh, but the Broncos are a classy side this year. They've, they've got strike. They've got so much attack. And uh, Reese Walsh has been a... What a, what a find he's been. Not that we thought he mm. couldn't play, but he was a little bit quiet last year when he played for the Warriors. But, boy, he's made an impact with the Broncos. So uh, they're going to be... You know, with the, the draw that they've got, as Ricardo pointed out, they'll be there. They'll be there at the end of the season. They'll be playing finals footy, and you know if they keep it going, well, they might just finish on top of the competition at the end of the year. A text uh, has just come in. Uh, Rory, his name is um, Randy, wanted to know uh, from you what's up with the Bulldogs' attack. They lost uh, thirty to four to the Eels uh, yesterday to round off uh, round seven. Um, got injuries, but the halves especially 
Uh, he says Flanagan not up to it. He puts players in, in a, a worse position than he's in himself. So what have you made of the Doggies? Uh, doggies, uh, again, a club, Ian, that have, um, that have struggled with injuries. Kickout's not there. Uh, I do agree with our, our texter that, uh, that I, you know, I don't think Kyle Flanagan, he's been battling. I, you know, I don't know whether he is up to it. And I did say about the Dogs a, f- a couple of weeks ago, they got a, uh, in a game that they lost, and, and I was quite critical of their attack in the game that I was talking about. I can't remember exactly who they were playing, and I said, well, you know, it's they're leaving it on the shoulders of Matt Burton to try and create. Matt Burton's a runner of the footy. He's not necessarily a ball-playing 5'8". Uh, but if you've got a halfback that won't run and you've got a fullback that doesn't pass in Hayes Perham, it limits your attack. Uh, now, Kyle Flanagan is very good at steering a team around the park. He's got a good kicking game. Uh, but they really don't need that because Matt Burton's got a great kicking game. Matt Burton, you know, is one of the better kickers in the NRL. So uh, it's a, it's a real it's an act it, it's a juggling act for the Dogs at the moment. Uh, Tavita Pangai returned and looked good in the opening 20 minutes when the Dogs were in the game. Uh, got some offloads and he will help their attack. But Kickow's out for a long time and he's you know the strike weapon that they bought from the Panthers to make an impact, so he won't be there. And it does leave a lot on the shoulders of, of the hooker, Reed Marnie, who some, you know, I think is at times yesterday tried too hard, but you can't blame him for that. He's trying to get something going. Yeah, but uh, I think our man on the text, Smitty, is, is right. The, the dog's attack is, is pretty pedestrian, but they, they need some new heads there. Greg Alexander, uh, just fantastic uh, for you to make yourself available after your three hours on air yourself. So uh, we appreciate your thoughts and uh, review of uh, another great weekend from Warriors fans, and we look forward to uh, the Anzac Day clashes with Relish. Cheers, man. Thank you. Good on you, Smitty. Good to talk, mate. Yeah, cheers. Have a great day, Brandy. Thank you for that. It's uh, 11.23 coming up here uh, New Zealand time on SCNZ. Equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes, of course, the Warriors are in action against the Storm. That's uh, the next round coming up. Just looking at the Super Rugby draw this weekend, and uh, of course it was uh, all f- felt like an empty round, didn't it really? Because there were so many of New Zealand sides not in action. Um, although I was very surprised to see, and uh, this is an interesting one for me, Ricardo, that uh, when I tuned in to watch uh, the atmosphere uh, in Apia, there's certainly some at the ends of the field, etc. But uh, I looked at some camera angles, and it was certainly not a full stadium, and I would have thought it would have been packed to the gunnels. Well, especially when you see what the Fijian drawer have done, right? You know, every time they, they play over there, it is absolutely rammed, it's that 16th man, to use the, the old cliche, but I'm not sure what they were doing in summer. I, I wonder what the pricing setup was uh, to get into that stadium. Well, look, you know, uh, the, the crowd shots were great. You know, uh, it looked at they'd, they'd, they'd picked up on the theme of it. In pockets, in pockets. But I, I, first of all, I looked across to the, the main side there where I imagine the seating was, uh, as it traditionally is in rugby, close to halfway and that. Very scarce, mm. very, very scarce. And not a big ground, not a huge ground at all. Yeah, disappointing. I mean, I, I you know, you look at that, we were all expecting it to be a, a real festival atmosphere, right? Almost like yeah. you might have, say, in a big sevens sort of competition or something. It was going to be a party in the stands. That's what we all thought it was going to be, right, uh, Brian? 
Well, yeah, and I've, I've actually got some pricing of the tickets there. So um, the cheapest tickets, the embankment, which we saw was full, they were 10 tala. But then you're looking at VIP stadiums, 40. Local stadium, the north side, was 40. Uh, the uh, north stand was 75. This is for one ticket. The blue stadium south stand was 75 tala. And the golden stadium VIP, 100 tala. Now that's a lot of money for people living in Samoa. Yeah, that is a lot of money. So therein lies the problem. Yeah. Uh, it was just too pricey for them. Thanks for that. Uh, it's uh, valuable, Brian. Thank you very much for that. Uh, okay. Um, so uh, they're not in action next week. Moana Pacifica, by the look of the draw, that uh, I'm reading the Chiefs against the Drua. Um, uh, that is Friday night at 7.05. The Rebels against the Crusaders back in action after their bye. Um, so uh, that's in Melbourne, and that's uh, Friday night as well at 9.35. Then the Blues Waratahs, um, uh, that'll be one that the Blues want to get their rhythm back on um, after a bit of a break, and then uh, the Force and the Highlanders. So um, not I wouldn't be thinking too many great clashes there, the Blues Waratahs maybe, although the Waratahs are generally, um, I think, uh, a bit weak overall, to be perfectly honest. I don't think they're a terrific side at all. They accounted for the Force yesterday, 30 or over the weekend, 36 to 16. Probably says more about the Force than it does about... Uh, the Waratahs. Rightio, uh, we've got big money up for grabs now. Uh, just confirm the amount for me, please. Uh, is it 200? 200 it is, yeah. It is 200 smackers to start the week, uh, everybody. 200 smackers. It's time to stump some of the 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811 is the number. $200 up for grabs for some lucky punter, as they say, if you can get it right. Brian's waiting for the calls to start the build up. Uh, Ricardo will be the quiz master again this morning. Right, uh, 11.33 here on SCNZ, and uh, we're going to play the jingle for 200 bucks. Ricardo, you're going to give it a nudge? Oh, I reckon we might have to. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. And uh, first to the crease, Smithy, is Luke from Dunedin. G'day, Luke. How are you doing? Morning, Ricardo. I'm good. How are you? Good, thank you. Wow, Luke, you are the first lucky punter to have a crack this week. And, of course, as I said, $200 uh, up for grabs uh, from the TAB, which is... Not uh, to be sneezed at. Um, how was your weekend, man? The Highlanders had the weekend off, I believe, yeah? Yeah, it was, it was good. <laughs> good when the Highlanders got a break. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, I think uh, they've got uh, a very winnable game this week uh, that they should get in uh, the act on. Okay, oh, right, so what are the so. subjects? Yeah, yeah. I hope so, yeah, you, you did right. What are the subjects this morning uh, for Luke Ricardo? You can either choose a basketball, golf or rugby. We'll go basketball. Basketball it is. All right, first question, Luke. For $200 with the TAB bonus bets, here you go. The Sal's NBL is heating up around New Zealand with the Bay Hawks currently sitting on top of the ladder. Two teams remain winless so far. Can you name one of them? Um... I'll go Canterbury Rams. One of the worst things I have oh. ever seen 
done on a cricket field. Not the Rams. Uh, Smithy, can you stump him? Winless. Um, can I go to Southland Sharks? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. No, they beat the Manawatu Jets in the first round. Uh, I would have taken right. either the Nelson Giants or the Wellington Saints. Saints also having a, a slow start for the second season in a row. All right, Luke, you're still alive, mate. Uh, what team does the NBA's oldest player, Udonis Haslam, at 41, play for? I'll just go Franklin. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Yeah, that was NBA rather than NBL, Smithy. Oh, oh. oh. Oh look, I have no idea. I've seen him. Uh, I've seen him around a long time. Um, I'll go Miami. Miami Heat. That's not called And he's popped those bales off. Smithy, well done. Well done. He's been with the Heat a long time, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. Um, I, I'm pretty sure he's been almost a stalwart for the Heat, and it, it's quite rare to have someone stay at a franchise that long. And I'm pretty sure I saw him uh, decked out for a game over the weekend, a Heat match over the weekend. So, yeah, the Heat are an action. I'm sorry, Luke. I'm sorry. <laughs> nah, it's all good. I really am. Yeah, go well, Luke. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, uh, the Heat actually are in action at the moment, Smithy. I can tell you they are uh, up 93-86 against Milwaukee in Milwaukee late in the third quarter. So, uh, wow, that'll be That's a big, a massive upset. Massive, massive upset. All right, let's head to uh, Logan in Papamoa. G'day, Logan. How you doing? Hey, boys. Morning. How are we? Good, mate. How's your basketball knowledge? Yeah, average to be fair. Average, good. Okay, yeah. Smithy, you're in with a chance. $200 a TAB <laughs> bonus bets up for grabs if you get this one right, mate. Uh, which team finished last in the NBA Eastern Conference this season? Uh, <clears throat> stab in the dark. Uh, Timberwolves. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a trip. Uh, they went all right, actually. They weren't too bad, Smithy. Can you stump him? Can we make right. it 250 tomorrow? Eastern Conference, so that's uh, that's the uh, Los Angeles side of things. So it wouldn't have been no, the, it's the other or side. The oh, the Easters. The East, oh, right. Yes. Oh, sorry. No, no, it's one minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rightio. Okay, well, I've actually got no idea, actually. Don't even know the difference between East and West. Uh, the other side's, oh, look, I've got absolutely no frigging idea. So I will go. Um, the Knicks, the New York Knicks. I know that's the the, probably not it, but never mind. Seen done on a cricket field. Yeah, no, Smithy, unlucky, nowhere near it. Uh, the Detroit Pistons, Detroit Pistons, unfortunately, oh, uh, bottom of the pile. So, so Logan, I got done ge- geographically, well, I was out of the race right from the go. Two hundred dollars worth of TAB bonus bets, all yours, my friend. Legend, legend, boys. Thank you. Oh me. <laughs> Have you got your eye on <laughs> anything this week, mate? Addington Dogs, here we come. Addington Dogs, here we come. I'll save it for Trevor Stakes, I think. Trevor Stakes. Oh, good, mate. Anything you you like in that this far out? Uh, I've got one of my own. Um, I've got a little toenail and um, one of Lisa Ladders, so we'll we'll save it for that. Yeah. Okay. Lurid. All the very best. Lurid. Okay, guys. Lurid. Okay. Congratulations, well done. Stay on the line, Brian. We'll get your details. Uh, we'll just confirm them anyway, Logan. Uh, well done. We're back to fifty bucks tomorrow. Unfortunately, on the lack of 
uh, my geograph- geographical knowledge of the NBA uh, and the fact that I didn't even consider the Detroit Pistons. I was thrown right out of whack there. Um, here I was, I was going to say Portland to Trailblazers, uh, but that, of course, is the West Coast. So there you go. Uh, right, uh, coming up to 11.40 here on SCNZ, we'll uh, have a little visit to the sports desk coming up. It's in agriculture, covering your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SCNZ. Turn up the volume, we're crossing live to the sports desk. What's fresh? What's making waves? Let's find out. Right, let's get across to uh, the sports desk. Ricardo is uh, in the chair this morning. A uh, bit of football, a uh, couple of other stories come to hand, Ricardo. Yeah, this one, uh, Smithy, I thought would tickle your fancy. Uh, the Saitama Panasonic Wild Knights. No, it's not a male strip review show. It is the name of a rugby team out of Japan, and they are mm. coached by one Robbie Deans, former Wallabies coach. You may have heard of him. Uh, they have lost a game on the weekend, 44-22. to 20 Five to the Shuzoka Blue Revs uh, in the penultimate qualifying round of Japan Rugby League 1. But that's not really the story. The story is that it is Robbie Ding's first loss as coach in Japan in four and a half years. The last time he lost a game as coach up there was over 1,600 days ago in December 2018. That's a hell of a record, and it just shows you how much notice we take of Japanese rugby, doesn't it? Yeah. Because... <laughs> <clears throat> up until a record of that stature of that length is broken, um, we don't even it doesn't even we don't even talk about Robbie Deans and his, his succession plan. So, um, I mean, it's just incredible what he's been able to do there. Still, really haven't got an assessment of just how strong Japanese rugby is at that level. To be perfectly honest, you try to talk to a few people. Clearly, um, it's not as strong as what we do here because. Um, <clears throat> when players come back from being there, they're not up to speed. We've seen that with the very best. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's more and more going up there, though, obviously. You know, uh, I know that uh, Richie Mawanga's heading up there, and uh, I was talking to Dan Bowden a little while ago, who's working up in Japan, and he says they've got, you know, Matt Todd is playing there. They've got, uh, they've got a, I think there's about five or six former Crusaders at the team that uh, Dan Bowden's at. Mm, interesting. Very interesting. Uh, that, in fact... Um, Warner Derns, there. There's a name, uh, um, Warner Derns. Mm. That you, you'll know the name Derns because of Tanya Derns, right? Yeah. Um, they went over there um, because um, uh, they were involved uh, in, the, I think, the medical or the, the physio or the training side of uh, one of the franchises over there. They went over there where the kids were were quite young. He's now the lock for Japan. Yeah, um, you know, uh, I'm not quite sure. I mean, he's a giant of a, a giant of a kid, absolutely giant of a kid, and uh, of course, he's got the great sporting genes there. Um, but honestly, um, he uh, he is a lot for the Japanese rugby team. I'm, I'm not sure he, he hasn't played any other uh, rugby at um, a decent level because he's been in Japan the whole time, choos- chosen to to go that way. Um, but there you go. Uh, there's a classic case of, of of that. I remember right when it first started. I think. Was it Andrew McCormick went over there? Mm-hmm. Andrew McCormick way, way back. And he was, they said, probably one of the best played, best paid rugby players in the world at the time that he went. And he went on to play for Japan as well. Um, so it's interesting that uh, the contribution New Zealand rugby uh, makes to them or New Zealand people make to Japanese rugby. So, yeah, yeah good story. Good job, well done, Robbie. 2.02 metres is uh, Warner Dern's, mate, which is uh, in the old money is about six foot six and a half. 
mm. would make them right up there with the, with the with the tall ones, the Giants in New Zealand rugby. Yeah, yeah, massive, massive. Uh, now you mentioned football, uh, Chelsea Football Club. Uh, obviously, been in the in the news a lot recently because they've got a new American owner. Uh, they've sacked a coach. They've brought Frank Lampard back. They've spent uh, an inordinate amount of month, month, uh, amount of money and. Uh, they may actually now be in a bit of uh, trouble with financial fair play, but one of the things that they've been looking at for a while, even under Roman Abramovich, was trying to extend Stamford Bridge, get a bigger capacity because it only it holds about forty odd thousand, and the and the big stadiums over there, you know, Old Trafford holds about eighty, so that's what you're going up against. Uh, but basically, they need to to find a place to build a new stadium because they can't extend Stamford Bridge where it currently is. There's no room for it to go uh, to grow anywhere. But the problem that they have is that they might have to change their name because the stadium is owned by a whole bunch of fans in a share situation. It is called the Chelsea Pitch Owners PLC and they own the name Chelsea. So if they leave the stadium, it would be up to that PLC if the club could, could continue to call themselves Chelsea. Right, well, I don't, I don't get that. I mean, it, it just can't happen. I wouldn't have thought so, but this is obviously one of those complications where at some point the owners of Chelsea have sold the club, and I'm not sure if this is Roman Abramovich or was before he bought it, uh, and it has become two separate entities, the stadium itself and the club. So that is the situation they're in. Uh, There has been uh, a few cheeky wags, as you tend to get in the UK media, who have done uh, fake stories about it. Uh, One of them, I I know you'll enjoy this, Smithy, uh, Chelsea FC are going to be renamed the London Cowboys from 2023-24, ending 118 years of the original name and rebranding one of the numerous forthcoming changes influenced by US sports. Uh, So they'll be poking uh, a bit of a Todd Bowley bear there and uh, making him out to be uh, like Ted Lasso in that that show. Right, interesting. Also, results just coming through of uh, the latest IndyCar as well. Uh, this morning, of course, we've got uh, vested interest in that with the uh, three drivers these days. Um, but uh, Scott Dixon uh, was uh, forced uh, away from it with mechanical issues. Up until that point, he'd also had some trouble with uh, one of his other drivers in Pato Ward, Pato Ward. And um, he's basically said, look, I don't agree with his tactics this morning. Um, forced me basically out of the race. Uh, so, I mean, that's the gloves off for me as far as the rest of the season goes. The gloves are off. The race uh, won by... Kyle Kirkwood, uh, Romain Grosjean uh, was second, uh, Marcus Ericsson uh, third. In fact, is it still going? In fact, no, uh, it should have finished. Running, actually, it, it should, should have finished. Should have finished, finished by now. This yeah. is running. Uh, so yeah, Kyle, Kyle Kirkwood, Romain Grosjean, and Marcus Ericsson. So I might not have the final finishing things there, but um, certainly uh, Scott Dixon far from happy with what happened to him. Yeah, race. yeah, yeah. I mean, when Scott Dixon comes off, uh, comes out, who's one of the most laid back guys on that uh, on that circuit, and says the gloves are off, you know, something has gone horribly wrong for him, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, out out um, on lap thirty seven um, <coughs> for mechanical reasons. So forced out there. Not a happy chap. So um, yeah, uh, still in the race. Uh, we're at that point. Scott McLaughlin uh, and Marcus Armstrong. So uh, we'll try and get a definitive on. Whether that race is finished, my website not updating me on that at the moment. Uh, coming up to 11.52 here on SENZ, uh, we shall cross over and talk to Sam Hewitt. Sam uh, is running the cutter this afternoon and for the rest of the week for Staffy's show between 12 and 4. Sammy next.